John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God and all things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life and that life or the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. This man came for a witness to bear witness of that light that all through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, but or of that light that was the true light which gives light to every man coming in the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born, not of the blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out, saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, but for he was before me, and of his fullness we have all received in grace for grace, for the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, who is in the bosom of the Father, he has declared him. This um, portion of scripture is this debated scripture. Not debated because it is complicated, but because it is so pointed, it's, it's so plain, it's so simple that it cuts right through one of the largest debates that religion has had for 2,000 years, and that is, who is Jesus Christ? As I had mentioned um, on Sunday of last week when we discussed um, Philippians chapter 2, the theology of Christmas, we heard from different people who weren't even um, saved, like H.G. Wells, that great historian, Albert Einstein, the brilliant mathematician, um, Charles Templeton, who walked away from the Lord, Napoleon, who was that genius uh, military commander, these guys would say things like, Jesus Christ is the greatest person who has ever walked this, this earth. Napoleon, though um, not saved, would say he's no mere man. So he even assented to the claims that Jesus Christ was not just a man. However, didn't necessarily believe in all that Jesus Christ is. We can't give credit to Napoleon just because he says something nice about our Lord and believing him. There are those 
who are right across the street. Mormons. I'm going to be nice. I have so much coming in my head. If you guys knew what I held back when I preach, because I know I joke a lot, but if you knew what I held back, I'm going to be nice. We see them everywhere, don't we? Right across our street. I saw a bunch of them getting in a bus in a matatu. I wanted to jump in the matatu and say, repent. Well, they believe that Jesus Christ is more than a man. But man, what they believe about him is blasphemous. Satan's brother, not God. And one of the central points of debate on this is this portion of scripture, not necessarily because they go there every time um, the identity of Jesus Christ comes into question, but we do. We go there. You say, hey, what about John chapter one? Come on. And uh, they have all these gymnastics that they get around. The Jehovah's Witnesses, they have their own translation of scripture that is not a word-for-word translation by any stretch of the imagination where we get the original Greek, Latin, and Hebrew. And they say, in the beginning, was the word and the word was a God and the new world translation, NWT. And we, we see that the most simple part in, uh, of really getting into the deity of Christ, which is in all of the Bible, there's no book that does a better job of that than the Gospel of John. And in case it may interest you, there are not four Gospels. Um, there is one Gospel fourfold, told four different times. Okay, and we could go down a rabbit trail there. God is, by definition, the Gospel. He is the embodiment of all that is true, holy, or for the lack of better words, good, righteous. Any type of clarity that would set our minds down a path of seeing the world more clearly exists because God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit exist. All clarity, all discernment, all good things, all righteousness, all holiness, all kindness, it it all emanates from who he is. And this very simple gospel, by the way, the, the, the most simply written book in the Bible, in the Greek, is the gospel of John. And repeatedly in this, it's interesting that it uses that word light repeatedly. Light, 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 light. The, um, the, there are things, as this is one out of the, the synoptics gospels, so that means uh, similar, connected. It is that one that stands out, um, Matthew 
his gospel, um, excuse me, Mark points towards the servanthood of Christ. Luke points to the humanity of Christ. Matthew uh, points to, I'm forgetting, somebody remind me. No? John points to the deity of Christ. Um, and Matthew points to uh, Christ the Messiah, the Savior. They, they all are, you know, they all share that each one of those um, has that in one of the renderings of the gospel. But John is unique. It, it, it leaves things out. It leaves the birth of Jesus Christ out, which what we're, which what, that we're celebrating this season. And leaving the birth of Jesus Christ out we take that moment to pause and say, oh, we don't need to skip over the Gospel of John because right within this first chapter gives us something that I actually will be sharing a shorter sermon on Saturday over, not an exposition, but a, but a Gospel sermon. The, the, the true idea of what it means to come into a relationship with Christ and to understand the incarnation of Christ and probably the greatest way to describe that in other language other than just telling the story like Luke does is to use that word light. Light. And to try to get us to see the reality of how dark this world is and there is no greater darkness than any of us have ever experienced except for our own personal darkness. It's hard for us to see outside of this. You know, I'm gonna probably cross, you guys will get a little bit of both, but of what I'm gonna say Saturday. I learned today that in 2023, 300 billion liters of alcohol have been consumed. I don't know how they measure such a thing, but 300 billion liters of alcohol. It's incredible. You know, 2 billion people on the planet, I'm getting into my sermon on Saturday. I should just stop. 2 billion people on the planet drink alcohol on a regular basis. And this time of year, they're drinking more than ever, more than any other time of year. And the list goes on and on and on, the darkness. We'll get into that. And John comes in, and rather than going into the birth of Christ, which is this amazing story that Luke's gospel tells us, Matthew's gospel and Mark's, it tells us that light has come into the world. So in a sense, it's talking about the birth of Jesus Christ, but trying to describe for us from a different point of view, how we are to understand, which is ironic, even saying that, how we're to understand is coming into proximity with Jesus Christ to give us understanding. Everything we need to know about understanding comes through being in the presence of the light that Christ provides us. And, and one of the things I want us to see tonight from the scripture is the reality of who he is is a for the lack of better words a greater reality than our daily lives 
because our daily lives constantly are changing. He is immutable. He will never change. And yet we focus on our daily lives as as if that's the greatest reality. We're so affected by the world around us. Walk outside. If it's sunny, we start walking. We enjoy it. If it starts to rain, we either put a, pull out an umbrella and we hide and go under the car. Or, or if you're a proper Kenyan, you, you stand underneath the building for a minute. As we see. You, everything about us, we, where we live, what we eat. It affects how we see reality and we need to stop And as we read scripture, understand that in the beginning, that's the beginning of time, was the word. That's not to say that he began at the beginning. It's to say that when the beginning happened, he was there, Jesus Christ. Obviously, you know that's who John is talking about. He was there. And the word was God, in case there's any confusion on this. In case there's any confusion. He was there in the beginning, and he's God. And the word was God, and he was in the beginning with God, so there's a Godhead. All things were made through him, and without him nothing was made that was made. You know, people come into this extremely temporal building. And it's interesting because you go to see different buildings across the world and this is like a mud hut. I know it's our mud hut and we love it more than anything. I, I get it. Well, I hope we don't love this building more, more than other buildings, I meant to say. You know, part of it, we, we know where we came from as a church. And, and you know, people will come in here And they'll be like, honestly, it gets embarrassing at times. Because you see like this thing going through ministers' minds when they walk in the church. They're like, who built this? I remember one guy, he called himself a prophet in this town. Anytime you introduce yourself to me as a prophet, we already have a problem. Because I know from scriptures, there's no more. I know there's prophecy, but there's no more prophets. So I remember he walked right here and he, he pointed towards the stage. He goes, I want to preach from that stage. You don't even have to pay me. I had all this. I was, I'm, I'm really, a, I, I was nice to him. All that was in my mind, I, I didn't say. I say, not only will I not pay you, you will not be preaching from that stage. This is what I wanted to say, but I was nice. I got, I got to tell you, it's so pathetic to be impressed with a building like this. I'm not saying we can't enjoy it. I, I've been in buildings. I mean, I was, just in a, I was just in London. There's some pretty impressive buildings in London. Westminster Abbey. And then I discover we're reading all the stuff in there that the people who built it, if an aerial view, before they had aerial views, it's in the shape of a cross built a thousand years ago. And then we went over to um, 
I wasn't just on vacation. I was preaching. I want you to know that. But we went over to Paris and we saw Notre Dame. That's an impressive building. And yet, a year ago, the entire roofing system burnt. And I, and I got news for all of us. Everything in this world is going to burn with a fervent heat. It's all going to burn. You guys ever hear a preacher or somebody say that? It's all going to burn. It's kind of a joke, but it, it's actually true. Everything's going to burn. Your favorite dress, ladies, it's going to be on fire. The houses that we build up over a lifetime, the heat is going to be so much that not even silver and gold will not be incinerated. Not even the dirt in the ground will not be incinerated. It's not even, guys, it's not just going to melt. The proper language is the earth is going to go with the heat. It's all going to go. It's all going to go. And what's so fascinating is people can come in and be like, who built this building? And there's a bunch of us who built this building, whole list of people. And it's like, yeah, well, we built it. It's like, I, I'm not trying to insult them from being impressed. I too am impressed with the buildings I saw in, in Europe. What I'm saying is, what a misguided set of priorities when we will focus more on what man has built rather than what God has built and in his building, who he is and the power that he has. In the beginning was the word and nothing was made that was made without him. So the reality that surrounds our minds and our eyes, yes, it's real, but in a sense, it's not going, it's not as real as God in the sense that this will pass away and he will remain and we will remain because we are eternal beings and we would do well to understand who he is, what he's done, the power that he has. And I say this really with my heart to say, what a wasted life to go about investigating all that this world has to offer without giving one or two or 10 thoughts about Jesus Christ. He, this is my point, if I'm being too complicated, he is the greatest reality that should be ever present in our minds every single day. That's what I'm saying. Him. And it's so distracting because we got these two eyes. We got these two eyes that see the world a very small, small, small perspective. It's very small. It's so small. It's like, man, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to eat for dinner? Where am I going to, how am I going to get to town? What are we going to do? As I had mentioned, I recently took a trip with my family. And I have three little kids. Layla, 12 years old. Zephaniah, 10 years old. And JL, who's eight years old. Listening to them for eight straight days, every moment, 
was quite entertaining. Hey, Dad, what are we doing? Uh, where are we going? Hey, Dad, what's around that corner? Hey, Dad, uh, what's that building? Hey, Dad, who built that? Hey, Dad, uh, what's going to be for lunch? It's like, we just had breakfast. Yeah, yeah, are we going to go to a restaurant? Hey, Dad, da, 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 da. It's, it's, the binds are, and I'm just like, can we? So I, I, I've started this thing with my children. Guys, let's just, let's enjoy the moment we're in. Let's not think about another moment that we're not in, which will cause us to waste the moment that we are in. And so you should hear them argue. You know, Zeph will be like, hey, Dad, what's going to happen? And Jay will be like, enjoy the moment, Zephaniah. <laughs> and they start fighting. It's just this, this funny thing. <laughs> Don't give me that look. And we do that, don't we? I was talking to Kelsey in case you're wondering. I'm getting a dirty look. My kids aren't offended. Don't worry. We, we do that. What are we going to do? What are we going to go? Where are we going to live? How are we going to do? And we do that as adults. How are we going to make it? And Jesus Christ will say the words like, don't worry about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll drink, what you'll put on. Is, is life not more than clothing and food? What are you worried about? What are you talking? You know, the birds have food. I love you more than birds. You know, the, the flowers are clothed in a raiment that exceeds the beauty of all of Solomon's arraignment. Arraignment. I love you more than flowers. We've yet, it's almost happened to a certain degree, but we've yet to have a naked person walk in this church and just say, I have no clothes. God is always taking care of us, and I'm glad that he's gracious, but the reality is that we spend most of our thoughts in a very small world. This world of Eldoret. This world of our homes, of our finance. Our friends, everything. It's probably, you know, you, you see this in teenagers. All that exists in a 14, 15, 16-year-old girl is her friends. That is all that exists. And God is gracious to us, but he wants us to transcend our realities to see a very glaring reality is that Jesus Christ is God, he exists, he's real, he's alive, he has the power to create the world's this earth, you, the animals, and me, and he is ever-present with us. That's what it's scripture. And, and the way it, it kind of gets us to see the birth of Jesus Christ is that light has come into the world. It is possible for us to transcend our own small, not insignificant, 
because God loves us, which makes our small little world significant because of our worth is found in him. Nevertheless, he gives us the ability through the scripture to to look at the, the words written down to say, hey, guys, there was a beginning. There was a beginning where there was nobody in existence except God and one of the members of the Godhead is the word and that word is Jesus Christ and he is the light that shines in darkness. He is the light that shines into our minds and gives us clarity. He is the light that shines in our hearts and gives us a love for righteousness. He is the light, and without him, we're groping in the darkness, in our small little worlds. I don't, I, I'm no better. I, I'm right with you, all of us. We're, we're right together in this. But one of the things I'm a planner. I like to plan, especially about 15, 16 years ago, I could get really just this and this and this and this. And and I'm like this to a certain degree nowadays. I don't want any of the staff to speak out when I'm talking. I know I'm a planner, but I'm not as much as I used to be. Trust me, guys. I think it contributes with, I've had the privilege of God to, to, to travel around the world and preach to different churches. You gotta get up, you gotta be at the airport on time, and you gotta do this, and you, you, you gotta catch this cab or this bus or that airport and that plane and that church and this time. And if you're not careful, and you gotta be on time, I'm not trying to, if you're not careful, you can get sucked into this world of constantly being stressed over all of it just stressed. I think one of the things that's helped me is to watch people lose their minds at airports. I've witnessed it multiple times. For whatever reason, people think if they don't get on that plane, they're never going to see their families again. They start yelling at the stewardess, at the clerks, the ticket counters. They lose their mind. My point is, God has allowed me to see a bigger world than my small little world in Hillsboro, Missouri. Possibly age as well has contributed to this, but it makes for a much more peaceful, enjoyable environment where we can stop. We can take a deep breath and we can meditate on Jesus Christ. We can meditate on what we've already got in just a few words that he is God. He was there in the beginning. He's the creator, which teaches us something. He has the power to create the universe. So the sun, I don't know, they say it's like a million times bigger than the earth and it has 
quadrillions of trillions of nuclear bombs, the equivalent of quadrillions of nuclear bombs blowing up at the same time, and we're worried of whether or not God can get us food today? Or bring us a husband and wife? Or whatever the case, whatever it is that we worry about? He's all powerful. That's, that's the point, one of the points here. He's all powerful. And he's been around for eternity. And he was there at the beginning. I think he's qualified in us asking him on a minute basis on how to build our lives. Christ, you were there from the beginning. How do you think I should approach this relationship? How do you think I should approach this situation at work? How do you think I should approach that glooming situation with my parents? Or my children? So, I know we could get, and I've done it many times, into the technical aspects of this, but what I'm trying to get us to, uh, to see from Scripture, I suppose, during the season is, he is absolutely qualified and, uh, because of his creative power and worthy because the word becomes flesh as it gets down to verse 14, and, and that's the incarnation, that's the humility, that's the condescension, of our daily meditation. Our daily meditation. I don't know if this happens to you. I don't know if the right word is depressed. Um, I know that probably, I'm not into a lot of psychology. It's, it's really de destroyed the world more than it's helped, just so you know. Secular psychology is bunk. You'd be better off listening to a good pastor give you counsel than a, 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 a counselor who has a degree from some liberal secular university. I hope that wasn't unclear. Because I, I, I honestly, it's like I'm going to get a, a, I hear it all the time, I'm going to get a degree in psychology. I'm like, really? Well, what kind of psychology? Like, you're, you're going to learn from Moy University or some secular university, Sigmund Freud? Is that what you're telling me? It's like, and, and you guys, there has to be the reality at some point where you say, what's the wisdom of God in this situation? Am I doing this just to get a degree so I can make money? You know what one of the leading Kenyan um, psychologists wrote about our church? It really, was, you know, years ago, I was doing some counseling with, with somebody, and they had this crazy lifestyle, and because of this, the suicidal depression. And then I said to this person, I said, well, give me like a week by week, month by month of your last two years. She was physically sick. And she had about five to 15 sexual partners per month. And I'm just like, oh, you're thinking about seeing a psychologist? I think I know the problem. 
It's called sin. And because of sin, darkness has come into your mind. And because of darkness, you are immensely stressed, filled with anxiety and depression. Righteousness is your cure. Here, here's a prescription. Take a piece of paper, righteousness. Here you go, take it every day, 20 times a day, and you'll be fine. And she went and told this secular psychologist, this atheist who's very well known, who writes in the paper, and he wrote in the paper, there is a church in Eldorado town that is diagnosing people with sin and recommending they don't see professional psychologists. Free publicity. I wish he would have mentioned our name. He was trying to be nice and tactful. I really wish he would have mentioned our name. Did you guys see any of the YouTube posts recently about me? Somebody actually said on our YouTube, because I said we stand with Israel, that if you, they wrote this, if you look closely at this man, you can see horns growing out of his head. Guys, I just want you to know, I'm beating all of you. Is anybody saying something hateful about you? You're not doing your job. You want that? Go get an Israeli flag, put it on a post and walk it through town and see how many people like you. And there's no horns. There's only sinners saved by grace. And, and, and the, the reason why I'm mentioning this, at some point, and I'll personalize it, if you do not adopt, if you do not receive, if you do not submit to the authority of Christ, who is the light of the world, the sustainer of the world, the creator of the world, he was there in the beginning, then all you have, even as a member of Calvary Chapel Elder, it is a religion, and no relationship with him because a relationship with Jesus Christ has everything to do with obeying him through a submissive, loving, grateful heart. He was there. He's all powerful. All things were made through him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. In him was life. And guys, it's gonna go on. And that life was the light of of men, let me reread it because it's over. Let's let's just count it together. Um, and it was the was the life was the light of men. There's one, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There was a man sent from God, whose name was John. This man was for a witness to bear witness of that light, that all through him they might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light was the true light which gives light to every man coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. It, it, it's going to go on. We're already at seven. Seven lights and it's going to go on. Light, 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 light. I, I, I want you to know it, that that is one of the reasons why we put so much, so many lights up during Christmas. If you didn't already know, years ago, I wanted, uh, it's my heart for people to be saved, for people to know him, to believe in the gospel. And one of the ways that we do that 
is, is during Christmas time, we get people to hear the gospel. That's why everyone here exists. And what's associated so much in scripture with this season and, and the incarnation is light, the light of the star, that those descendants of Daniel called the Magi, I'm not talking about a, 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 a family line, but a line of people who studied the stars. And they saw that comet in the sky rest right above Bethlehem. That's light. And the light of Jesus Christ coming into the world, to a very dark world. It'll say he came to his own and his own did not receive him. But to them, he gave the right to become the children of God to those who believe in his name. So, so Israel didn't receive him. The line of Abraham, the Israelites, the Jews, the Hebrews, they didn't receive him. How terrible, man. You have Jesus Christ who chooses Abraham from a pagan culture, a pagan nation. Abraham was not some catch. He wasn't like, oh, this guy is a righteous man. No. He plucks him out of the Ur of Chaldeans and brings him in out of paganism and child sacrifice and worship of false gods. And the true and living God reveals himself to Abraham. And he makes all of these promises. I will bless you, Abraham. I will give you a, de a, a, a descendants. I will give you children. So many children that you, you, it's like the, sea, the sand in the seashore. You, you won't be able to number them in the same way that you can't number every single grain. There is no recording system since Abraham that you could ever count where we can get an accurate number of how many Hebrews there actually has been. And, and on a side note, on a, on a footnote, I'm already out of time and I just got excited. As a footnote, do me a favor. It's a very small thing. It's going to be very easy. In the next 30 days, read the Old Testament. You know, it only takes about an hour and a half a day. Just do it. Okay, I'll give you 45 because it's the holiday season. 45 is read the Old Testament. And then you watch CNN after you just read the Old Testament. And see if you do not see this Israel thing a little differently. Those who are believing the lies that CNN is projecting about the Gaza Strip, all this, and they're turning in this anti-Semitic way against Israel, you don't know your Old, Tes your Old Testament. You don't know the New Testament. Book of Romans alone, which we'll get into in a month or two after we get some prophecy out of the way. He chooses Abraham. Jesus Christ is, is choosing a people. He, he preserves this nation. But because of their immense amount of disobedience, they have to go 400 years as slaves in Egypt. And then in those amazing historical accounts of the deliverance of the nation of Israel in Egypt through the, the plagues. I mean, God is in control of everything and he has lice and flies and locusts and the angel of, of death and darkness and all of these things 
to deliver his people who are now numerous. There's, there's probably a couple million of them. And they go out into the wilderness and they're disobedient. But God's promises are sure and faithful. Those are his people. And he raises up people over a couple thousand years and prophets, the great prophet Elijah and Elisha after him and Jeremiah and Isaiah and Micah and Zechariah. And all these people are speaking into the nation. All of the prophecies, even the ones concerning the coming of Jesus Christ. And he comes. And nobody recognizes him. That alone would cause a Kenyan mother and father to slap their children in the face, right? You don't recognize your parents? Can you imagine going and saying that to your dad? Kenyans, can you imagine that? Hey, dad, I don't recognize you as my father. And he comes as their creator, as their God, as their sustainer. He's been with them the whole time and his own does not receive him. And unfortunately, so many of us, it says, it's it's got us there as Gentiles who believe on his name. Okay, he came to his own, his own did not receive him. But then those who believe on his name, the others, that is the Gentiles, if they believe on him, they'll be saved. They'll they'll be his his children and he'll be their God. And, And yet, we as the hymn writer wrote, his name was Robert, I'm forgetting his last name, Robert something wrote that word prone to wander, Lord I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Robert Robertson I think is his name. I could be wrong but I think it's Robert Robertson. And he backslid. He left the Lord. In the 1800s, he was in a carriage. And printed in the newspaper was that song that he wrote that now became one of the great hymns of the church. And there was a woman in this public transport, which was a carriage back then, reading the song that he wrote, not knowing the author was next to him out loud. And she says, my, what a beautiful song. And when she read the words, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love, he repented and turned back to Christ that day. And there's darkness. We may be born again, but there's still darkness that can loom in our minds and our hearts. And we need to stop this Christmas season. We need to say, you know what, I need to repent. I don't meditate on on my Lord, my husband, my groom, my savior, my king, my friend, my God. And you allow the Holy Spirit to wash over you this darkness, bringing light 
the light of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, as you pray, Lord, let me experience the beauty of Jesus Christ. If that's your prayer, the Lord will be faithful to let you experience that. They're not born of blood or the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. We beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness of him and cried out saying, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. We don't have much more time. John the Baptist greatest preacher of the entire time, the entire time of Christ until Christ came on the scene scene, and then he becomes the greatest preacher. You know, these, there's been a lot of great preachers, a lot of great preachers in our world. In fact, good Bible teachers in our world are a dime a dozen nowadays. You can find great Bible teachers everywhere, especially with this thing. They're everywhere. I remember hearing a story where D.L. Moody came to London. He visited Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon smoked a pipe. We don't need to do that. But he smoked a pipe and he was cleaning his pipe and packing it. He's going to smoke it right in front of D.L. Moody, who was a very, very fat man. And D.L. Moody was incensed and he said, Mr. Spurgeon, you can't smoke a pipe. And Spurgeon, being a very clever British guy, said, well, you shouldn't be as fat as you are either. And they both laughed and had their meeting. (laughs) Two amazing preachers. Neither one of them as good as John the Baptist. John the Baptist was so powerful in his preaching anointed by the Holy Spirit since he was in his mother's womb, Elizabeth. Which ladies, if you're ever pregnant, know God has the power to fill even the child in the womb with the Holy Spirit. I would encourage you to pray for that. I looked up a study today that how many people are murdered every year. And it was around 60 million in the world. 60 million people are murdered every year, homicide. And then I discovered that that statistic did not include aborted babies, which I don't even like to use the word abortion. It's murder. That's the word. Let's get back to biblical words so that you can have authority in your speech. It's not alcoholism. That is stupid Freudian psychology. It's drunkenness, okay? It's not just drug abuse. It's sorcery. It's not being gay. I am gay right now because I'm very happy. That's what it means. It's called sodomy. So the murder of 700 million children in the womb was not included in the figure of 600 million people murdered every year. 600 million people, excuse me, 60 million people have been murdered 
so far in 2023. Plus 70 million babies. That is the world that we live in. And this man who's been anointed, this man who's had the the Holy Spirit fill him since he was in his mother's womb, has become, through the Holy Spirit, the most powerful preacher in the world at this time. And he declares, the most powerful preacher, well-known preacher, people are walking for miles to come here and preach at the Jordan River. If I went to the Sociani River, you guys wouldn't walk over there to hear me preach. Maybe you would, sorry. And he says this about Jesus Christ because Jesus Christ cannot be compared to anybody on earth, not even John the Baptist. He says, he is the one who is before me. That means he existed before me. I'm a little older than he is by a couple months, but he was there before me. He is preferred above me. That's what John the Baptist is saying. His own did not receive him. We are saved by him as Christians. And yet our minds and hearts are prone to wander. Prone to turn this season and every season of our life to our worries. To be consumed with our stresses, anxieties. Because we have very, very small and unfortunately at times dark minds. And I, and I would encourage us all to take a deep breath, both physically and spiritually, and say, I want to meditate on Christ, the light of the world. The word became flesh The word became flesh. Those four words are enough to solicit eternal worship. Eternal worship for that great condescension. And he dwelt amongst us, with us. And he, in his infinite goodness and kindness, wants to dwell with us every single day. Let's take a deep breath and say, Lord, I want to know you. I want to know the joy of your salvation. I want to know the peace that passes all understanding when I pray to you and when I'm thankful to you and when I'm rejoicing in you. I want to know you, Lord. I hope that's your prayer as we just see these verses Speak out to us with this shining light, this shining word, this, you are the light of the world. You want clarity and the decisions you have to make? Ask Jesus Christ for clarity. You want to come out of darkness? You must be in the presence of Jesus Christ, who is the light of the world. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you as we are here tonight 
Many of us probably thinking about Saturday. I know we have a lot to do. A lot of celebration. A lot of preparation. Some of us wondering if that friend who's not saved or that family member who's backslidden is going to come with our invitation. That person that we might even met on the street or the stranger that we saw or that acquaintance we have at the grocery store. I know many of us have done our parts. We've invited, we've prayed, we have sought you. And Lord, we would ask that you would do your work, that you and your infinite power would bring to remembrance that invitation, that gospel that was spoken that name of Christ that was given so that we may find unbelievers here on Saturday in the midst of our celebration of believers and that they would see that that there is a God who loves them, who is the light of the world, who has come into a dark place. And we ask, Lord, that you would do your work in adding to your church. That you would do your work. One plants, another man waters, but it is you who brings the increase. Please bring the increase so that before the rapture, we don't know how much more time that we have, we can see more people come into your kingdom. A kingdom that is defined by knowing you. And I pray for that. We ask it again and again and again. I pray for the staff here at Calvary and all the people who have jobs outside of Calvary, all the hustling, all the working that they're doing, that we would be able to transcend our problems. Think outside of our our situations of School fees and rent and food and electricity uh, with this corrupt government and, and that we could just understand that you have it all taken care of. That even if we suffer, that we have a hope and we have a peace and we have a joy and we have a future with you where there'll be no more tears, no more pain and suffering. Lord, I would ask you, with all that said, that you would help us to suffer well. That we would run our race conscious of your presence, of your goodness. We need you, Lord. You're worthy of it all. I thank you for the women's event yesterday. I pray that Uh, Thank you for loving our our women, Lord, more than we do. They need it. (laughs) I thank you that they can have a time without all the guys around where they can fellowship. I pray that the word that was planted yesterday would spring up and bear fruit. Thank you for the worship team. Thank you for Kelsey and... Becky and Jade and all the ladies that helped, bless them. Have mercy upon our church, Lord. 
according to your loving kindness. Please pour out your spirit. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.